Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. Okay, should we do some trials and triumphs, ladies? <laughs> Is life just one big trial right now? <laughs> I think so. I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> you two are taking it on the chin because you have two-year-olds at home and you're also working at home. Mm-hmm. You know what? Uh-huh. So my mom growing up used to always, like if I was complaining about something, would always say, um, Let's be positive. Like, look on the be- look on the bright side. She was always really drilling that into me. And so, as cheesy as that sounds, I'm just really trying to find the rainbow in it all. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, I really miss daycare. <laughs> but um, but you know, I have never. I haven't gotten this amount of time with her and I feel like I know her a lot better and I can see her personality changing and evolving every day, which is really pretty cool. And, um, you know, it's beautiful in Atlanta. I'm out, I'm going for a walk every day out in the sunshine. Yeah. Um, so there, there are a lot of things that I'm just trying to be grateful for. Um, are you guys also cooking all the meals at your house? No, I'm not. Thank okay. goodness for that. I'm at least not doing that part of the day. I do. I'm doing the other ninety five percent of the day. So what about yeah, we're laundry. splitting fifty fifty? Mm. What about laundry? Who's doing laundry? Well, I'm I laundry. make Blair do our laundry. <laughs> Blair, your no. daughter does it. I'm totally kidding, but I do. You know, while I'm watching her, I like because Will and I have been doing like fifty fifty. So he'll one of us will work in the morning, and the other one will watch her, and then one of us will watch her in the afternoon. The other one will work. So when I'm watching her, I'll do chores, and she'll help me put the clothes in the dryer, or she'll mm-hmm. push the button on the washing machine, or mm-hmm. so I mean. She kind of just like tags along with me, along whatever yeah. I'm doing. Okay, that was actually going to be my trial because I have never cleaned the kitchen so many times in like a consecutive time span. I mean, do yeah. does everyone not feel like they're cleaning their kitchen a hundred times per day? Constantly. <laughs> Constantly. It's driving there's, me crazy. There's always something dirty or... Joe, was, he's so funny because we got, you know, there's four of us in the house and there's at least two meals a day for everyone. I have breakfast and Joe has breakfast. But he was like, oh my God. So we're running the dishwasher daily, you know, at least, which usually when Joe and I are here, it's maybe every, you know, twice a week or something. So his first, his first initial reaction to that was, "Ah, we should just be using paper plates. We're just, (laughs) we're washing this so much. I'm like, you're just going to create waste. Like you're just going to make trash. Why don't you just wash the plate? Then you're going to complain about how often you have to take the trash out. Yeah. I'm like, why would we do that? That seems very counterintuitive, but whatever. 
I mean, I'm sure everyone listening feels the exact same way right now. We're all like, can we do dishes one more time? Can we make another meal? Yeah. yeah. It's definitely, we're all feeling it, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Um, My triumph, I think, is this week, I'll just go ahead and tell you, is I have um, multiple workstations now. Oh. So, yes, I have my den for my first probably two hours of the day, about two or three Mm -hmm. hours, um, where I did set up my nice desk and my computer. Um, Then my carport has been emptied of all cars (laughs) and um, a random assortment of loose outdoor chairs um, has been arranged Uh and a um, long, uh, like a rectangle, one of those pop-up tables. um, Like a a buffet hmm? table thing. Uh So um, that allows access to the hose for my child and rocks and dirt. And Uh so from that desk, I can watch him during water activities. And then I have my back porch too, um, which I've been also using. There's a nice cafe table I bought from Ballard 18 million years ago. And um, has, I, it held, has it held up? It has. I it have has. one from 1800 years ago and it is like brand new. It is. I mean, it always um, accumulates a nice layer of pollen. Um, yep. Got to scrub it off. Mm-hmm. And then you just do some nice soapy bubbles and that thing is back to new um and so i've been sitting there and that allows for other activities outdoors like kicking balls so um (laughs) i'm just saying everyone be versatile it's really helping me and oh while we're on this bright side guys and i think caroline and karen know this but i have had at ballard the last five years at least a very heavy computer it was a mistake (laughs) i made i ordered it for the screen width and Mm -hmm. height and um, come to find out that was a mistake when traveling the computer. And I, so I now have a new computer and it weighs like two pounds. And so I just pop it out of its deck when my, my, when my kid wants to go outside and I just say, okay, here I come. And it's the best. So cool. Did you just get it? I got it. No, I got it like two months ago, but obviously perfect timing for this. Mm-hmm. So it has, um, and unfortunately already looks kind of, um, you know, as clean. you know how it was so pristine about it's two months well ago. And now just, yeah. <laughs> you know, fingerprints. Mind, like guys, I want Let to me share. ask you a question. Um, how, if Elliot is playing outside so much, what is your stance on the whole like getting dirty situation? Are you just thinking free what? for all okay you're entertained getting dirty because you know, i'm just curious oh. if you're if you even care at this point at all and you just nope. kind of say screw nope. it because we go through yeah. like three or four outfits and i change his crib sheet more often because guess who goes down for a nap after playing in the dirt that kid and mm-hmm, so yeah. usually then i'll change the crib sheet which i again wasn't doing as regular like not every day and right. now i change it every day so there's a lot more consumption in laundry, but again, for like you're saying, Caroline, there's I just yeah, be filthy. I I do not wipe <laughs> his face as often. It just stays dirty from snacks outside, and I'm like <laughs> add dirt to it. Yeah, it's where fine. I feel like I was, he was perfect back in the day. <laughs> now that nobody sees him except for me, I'm like good. You you're look like you have a mustache already, a dirt mustache. <laughs> That's fine. I'm gonna text y'all a photo so that you can see what I'm talking about. But I found this photo 
of a dining room and it had this amazing abstract picture in it. And I just saw it and was like, you know, I really want to do that. That's exactly what I want to do in our dining room because we have this big um, white wall and I had no, Will wanted to hang a gallery wall on it and I just didn't want it to be that cluttered. I really wanted something that was going to be more, um, you know, clean like the room. Anyway, mm-hmm. so months ago, probably back in January. Oh, well, so I saw, I showed Will the photo and he said, oh, well, I can paint that. So, he always says that. I know, he always says that. Um, but but the, this painting was not something super fancy to begin with. So okay. it wasn't totally over the top, but it wasn't, yes. Um Yes, that one. So the original one we saw was a different color and it was um, slightly different. But I – so we went and got the canvas months ago. Will ordered the paint on Amazon and started painting it last weekend. And it just looks so good in my dining room and I'm so excited. Um, He's not fully Ah. done yet. And we haven't actually hung it. Mm -hmm. But just the color, it's sort of been leaning in our dining room for like a few days now. And – it's I'm just, just right. so pumped. Yes. Because you have a yeah, lot of blues is. in there and this is bright yellow. I love that. Contrast. Yes. Yeah. I, the actual, actually the inspiration photo was blue, but I wanted something that was less contrasty because I didn't necessarily want it to be the focal point of the room, but then we chose bright yellow. And so now it is actually very bold still, but anyways, I'm really excited about it. That's cool. That has been my triumph, even though I did very little except for find a photo and show it to Will. He really did so all he, of the heavy lifting. Did he pick, uh, is it a gouache or is it an acrylic that he used? And did you it's pick acrylic. a specific color or did he mix it? A combination. I think he ordered maybe five different yellows. One of them was very close to what the final color was, but he mixed in lots of different highs and lows within that. That's cool. I still need to figure out a frame, which will probably be honestly more expensive than everything else combined. Um, and my plan is to hang a... Is it a stretch canvas? Do you have to frame it? No, it is a stretch canvas. I don't have to frame it, but I want to. I uh-huh. want to frame it with a floating frame and then have a picture light above it and just make it look mm-hmm. very... Because it's going to be the only thing on this wall. So I really want to make it, you know... Special. A focal point. Yeah. So that is my <laughs> triumph, my one and only. I'm Karen, before you go, yeah. I have to say to you guys, now that we're all recording at home, mm-hmm. well, each of you look in, at our backgrounds You're before identical. our guests come. Identical. It's we, all the same color wall. Yeah. And the we yellow velvet, match. the blue. Yeah. They're all identical. It's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. We finally blended, guys, and we didn't even we like, matched. Do it at the same time. Hey, I know. You know what? I have actually thought about adding some sort of caramelly whiskey colored, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yep. a pillow or something, because it just does I look really good with this color. But it's perfect. Now I kind of don't want to. <laughs> you have to to be part actually, of the other color. I had thought about was um, kind of a plum, sort of like you have an also in your. I do have some plum here. in here somewhere. It's over there. Yes, mm, I love yeah. it all. Like yeah, it's just these jewel tones are so beautiful together. Yeah. I mean, so. <laughs> okay, Karen, what's yours? Okay. Yeah. So I have been working in the yard, you know, my, my usual trial, which is dead grass. 
So mm. and dead boxwoods and dead boxwoods. So my boxwoods look fabulous. They they were all trimmed the right way, and they look great. They were all springing up. And my friend, like two weeks ago, said, "Oh, I'm resodding my yard. I have some extra sod. Do you want any sod?" I'm like, "Yes." So we resodded the front <laughs> yard, the dead sod, and I, you know, I filled some areas or whatever. And I'm also in the middle of doing outdoor lighting in the front yard. So did it just happen to be the same grass type that you already had? Uh-huh. Oh, I, that's I did the whole front yard though. I didn't just patch it. Like we tilled oh, okay. it up. Wow. So she had a lot left over. Yes. So we tilled it up. It's not a very big front yard though. Um, True. And you have to get a pallet, you know, and he, w- he was just doing a smaller space. Um, tilled it up, relayed the side um, and I've been working on the outdoor. I had my outdoor lighting plan and all that stuff, but Really, my triumph. I mean, I guess that'll eventually be good. I'm not sure. It's not quite finished yet. But my triumph <laughs> is I've had this like hair bla- hair brain plan in my head for a little while. Um, to I bought some of those Suzanne Castler um, orbs. They're like they look like cement balls, but they're yes. made out oh, of yes, resin. I love those. They're very cool. So last last year when I redid the backyard, I bought some very large urns. And I put them in the four corners of the backyard. And I was like, I don't want to put plants in there because I really feel like I will kill whatever goes in there if I put trees in or something like that. So I I decided I was going to put her spheres in the urns, which I did. Mm-hmm. And they fit perfectly. But ever since then, I've had this harebrained idea that I want to grow moss on them, on the spheres. Buttermilk? Yes. So in the front yard – Part of the sod project was we have this very large oak tree in the front yard, and it is it it's one of the reasons that grass is dying because where the roots are, it's, it sucks up all the nutrients. You just can't grow grass on there. So I finally convinced Joe to turn that into a bed. So that's turning into a part of a, a bed, but there's moss all over the roots. So I spent a good hour this afternoon out there, like digging up all the moss and putting it in a nice. pocket. So I can. That's awesome. Yeah. So I can like mix it up with buttermilk and paint it all over my spheres and grow moss on my spheres. Very cool. I really cool. hope it happens for you. Yeah. I'm insane. He literally thinks I'm insane. So, so you have to blend moss in the buttermilk. That's what I've read online. You're supposed to put it in your blender, which I'm not doing. I'm, I just have like a, a big Home Depot bucket, um, which is about, I would say, half full with moss. And I'm going to pour, pour, I guess, a half gallon of buttermilk in there and churn it up. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what happens. I feel like I might need more buttermilk. I didn't realize I was getting so much moss. But um, yeah, I'm just going to kind of like with a shovel, you know, kind of like churn it up in there. Yeah. Moss is not big, you know, it's, it's small pieces. It was kind of coming apart. How shady is it back there? It's not super shady. It isn't. Because that honestly would probably be the, the hardest part. Right, that might part. be a problem. I know. I, know. I hope it works. I do too. I, I do too. That'll look awesome. Few weeks. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right. Let's get to our guest. Our guest today is Alexandra Kaler, and she is a Chicago-based interior designer. Her work has been featured in Elle Decor, House Beautiful, Lux Magazine, Domino Magazine, Architectural Digest, and the Chicago Tribune. And your house, 
your own house is actually in Lux Magazine this month. It is, which is so exciting. Thanks for joining us You're and welcome. being on the show. We're excited Thanks to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. You only have a few publications, right. so it's kind of, you know. And you're we're so glad you made it. Some of those are little online mentions, but thank you. <laughs> accounts. Yeah, yeah I'll take it. <laughs> I, you know what? I actually had followed your blog way back in the day and have always loved your style because you love traditional pieces and you use them um, liberally, but everything, all of the spaces are also very edited and still really modern. And I always have just loved the way that you balance that because it seems like a very tricky thing to do. So maybe we can just start there because I was, I know that sometimes the editing is actually the hardest part. So I was curious how you go about that and how you know when to stop. Um, well, thank you. I mean, I do think editing can sometimes be the hardest part. And it's funny because sometimes where my sense to stop is different than my clients. And I had an experience recently with a client where I really felt like we were done and she really did not and wanted that extra layer of stuff, which I, I like stuff and I like things to feel collected and, um, and not just like it was all plopped down in one day. Um, but I, I also just, I don't, I, I tend to gravitate away from clutter. Um, even in spaces that err on the much more traditional side, I try to go a little bit more minimalist in certain aspects to avoid it feeling heavy. Um, and I think that's just the type of spaces I feel most comfortable in. And so that's sort of how that, um, way of editing started is that I feel really comfortable in those spaces. I think it's, I think it's perfect to have things to look at and in different places to take your eye, but not feel overwhelmed by what you're seeing. Um, and so, so that's sort of how I land on, um, when a space is ready to, to be done. And, and that's not to say that things can't be added over time. I think that sometimes the most special things get added that way. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it's sort of as a designer, my cue sometimes to say, okay, my job of sort of like placing things in every little corner is done here. And as you travel and collect things and, you know, you can place them around your home and I can help you with that, or you can do it on your own. And, um, and that's how spaces kind of come to be finished. Mm-hmm. Where do you think so we're people err the most um, adding too much? You know, you're saying it, it, when you have a, a traditional pieces, it helps them not feel as, I guess, dodgy or something if it's more edited. Where's our big error? It's a good question. I don't know if it's necessarily one thing that I could pinpoint. It's more, you know, like the room that has a big built-in that has a ton of little sort of like tchotchke-esque stuff, then I would err more on the side of putting one big piece of art rather than having a gallery wall on an opposing wall. Um, just kind of trying to like pick and choose where you have um, your little things versus your big things or your more busy things versus something a little bit more simplistic. Um, in my family room, I have a really traditional Chesterfield style sofa. Um, and so then the chairs that are in the room with it are just this really simple Danish, um, sent, kind of squared off chair in an off white cushion. And so I, I like that balance and with the right client, I can happily be encouraged to go the other way and, you know, pile on pattern and, um, and texture and stuff. But in my in my own home and sort of in my own head, I do have a stopping point um, where I like things to feel 
edited, to your point. Do most of your clients, um, are, are they coming to you with little, like, either no collections or just there are they i guess what i'm trying to say is are they sort of starting their first home they're they're young professionals or do they have lots of things that that you're working with or big collections that you're s- s- trying to edit down i suppose so it's probably split 50-50 um between people who are really like moving into their first home that they're willing to make an investment in versus clients who have done this before, have collections of things of their of their own. Um, but like really truly edited collections, purposeful collections of things, I just don't see that often, which I think is sort of a bummer because those are sort of some of my favorite things in my house. They're like I collect black and white boxes and I just always have an eye out for black and white boxes when I'm at antique stores or when I'm out and people have given them to me as gifts. And I feel like that's such a fun meaning meaningful thing to establish when you're younger. And it just doesn't seem like people are really doing that anymore. Um, but then, you know, I do have clients who have years and years worth of picture frames or art from their travels. And, um, it kind of pains me to come in and be the one to say, okay, this works, this doesn't, especially when they're meaningful things to people. And I went through it recently with a client who, um, this was definitely not their first project, not their first investment home, but it was a very different aesthetic than they had had in the past. And they, they very consciously chose that direction. But as a result, a lot of the things that they had accumulated over the years just didn't vibe. Um, and so we, we went through and we took things and we added them throughout the house. And I actually loved what it added because I felt like it warmed things up a lot. Um, There was a lot of Asian-inspired antiques that they had collected, and the house was really much more contemporary than I typically go. And so it was really fun to add those pieces in, and it made it feel you know, like it wasn't this contrived, like you tore a page out of a magazine and said, this is the look I want. It really, it felt like them and a reflection of them. Um, So there's a lot to be said for incorporating those pieces. I I feel like a lot of times people, um, especially with things that maybe they've inherited or they bought a very long time ago that now is not considered in style, maybe don't know how to mix that in a way that feels fresh. So Mm -hmm. I was curious, especially in the client that you're just talking about, how you can take something that's a Chinese antique and... um, make it feel contemporary. Like, do you have an example that maybe you can give us? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I almost always have clients who come into the picture with certain things that they want to integrate in that are meaningful to them or, you know, that were a big investment for them. And as long as we know about them from the beginning, I feel like we can really make an effort to make it work. Um, there's certain things that are tough and, you know, like a a brown leather sectional from your husband's bachelor pad that he's really attached to. Like that's just a tough one a lot of times. Um, but you know, in meaningful antique or, you know, something that has, um, some like design value, I think is, is really fun and sort of a nice challenge and you can lacquer it and make it something entirely new. Um, one of my clients had these two giant also, um, Asian inspired nightstands and they were just humongous and so oversized and not right for the scale of their house in the city. And so we took them and we had them lacquered and had um, a top made for it and made them into a sideboard. And they function really well as storage in the dining room and the scale of them makes so much more sense in there. 
Um, so you can really like give new life to things if you have flexibility from your clients. And obviously, sometimes people don't want things painted or repurposed. They want it exactly as it was intended. And uh, we do our best to make those work when we can. Uh, I just I really love that example of repurposing. I think it's great to um, tell that stories because if people are attached to something, you know, it is nice to hear there are ways to make it work. Right. For sure. Well, I was noticing in your portfolio, and I'm not sure if they were all uh, original things that were brought to a home or not, but I, I noticed there were a lot of what looked to me like antique brown dining tables. Yeah, I like antique brown dining tables. Right? In these amazing <laughs> chic dining rooms. Um, and I I wouldn't have even noticed that they were antique brown dining tables. So I was like, wait a minute. And then I went back and I was looking. I'm like, there's a lot of them. And I love yeah. how chic it all was. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because many have inherited a dining table set or whatever. How How can we take components of that and make it feel current and chic? So I will say as much as you see brown antique dining tables in my portfolio, you usually do not see the chairs. Right. Um, that's the one thing mm. I struggle with. I think every once in a while you can put a fresh coat of paint or lacquer and new upholstery and really make them feel fresh. Um, but it's got to be the right chair because sometimes it really just feels like you're forcing it. And mm-hmm. um, But I, I really like a traditional dining room table. Um, it's got to be the right space for it. And, and I think a separated dining room is really well suited for a really traditional table like that. Um, but when I moved into my house, that was like my mission. I wanted the table that no one else my age wanted. And my mother-in-law was like, could not have been more pleased. She was like, this is, you know, like the table that I wanted when I was your age. And I thought nobody wanted these tables. And I thought when I was ready to get rid of mine, it was going in the trash. And here you are out there looking for the exact same thing. But I just, I like those tables. I think a a dining room is a formal space and in most houses at least. And, um, those tables are pretty with a tablecloth. They're pretty plain. There's so many different styles of chairs that are really pretty paired with it. You can dress Mm -hmm. it down with it, with, you know, a a linen chair, you can do all sorts of things. And, um, I just think it's a nice base and it's, they're cool paired with a funkier chair uh, or a more traditional chair. And yeah, I like Brown furniture. I really do. I mean, it's gotta be mixed with, with other things, but, um, those are some of my favorite pieces in my house. Mm-hmm. Did you mostly buy yours from antique stores? Were they given to you? Because I, I um, there's so much brown furniture out there that I'm sure it can be difficult for people to know what is good and what's yes, not. For sure. Um, I have a decent amount that I don't know if it was given to me or I just stole from family members <laughs> and things that I loved. Um, but I'm really lucky. I come from a family of multiple generations of people who are not in the design world, but just have good taste and are interested in homes. And, um, and so I've kind of like slowly accumulated things of, as people have redone their houses and taken things from my grandparents and, um, you know, as things have sort of like gone out of style, I've ended up thinking that I want them. And so I've taken, you know, like tables from my mom that she got sick of and felt like they were out of date. Um, but I also love like scavenging and looking for things at local antique stores. And um, there was this amazing antique mall right by my house that recently closed and is hopefully reopening. But I, I bought a ton of brown furniture there. 
Um, and I go on Cherish and First Dibs and, mm-hmm. um, and all sorts of things. And I mean, sometimes I end up painting it and sometimes it doesn't work brown. Um, but I think spaces need it, honestly. I think like mm-hmm. I tend to feel if, if a space doesn't have a, a piece of wood somewhere in it, 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 a lot of the time it's just lacking warmth. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, it always tends to be an element that I add in at some point. And how much is too much? Yeah. <laughs> it's easy to have too much. Um, I think it can feel really heavy and dated and, you know, it just, I think you do have to be careful. You have to edit. And um, I think if you have, you know, a, a wood coffee table, definitely do a different material on your side tables and um, in a dining room, if there's a wood table, I, I try to do a different material for the sideboard. Um, so I, I'm definitely conscious of integrating it in, in a very specific way and making sure that it doesn't repeat itself in a way that feels dated. Okay. This is a question we get a lot. Yeah. How do you incorporate multiple wood finishes in one room? Do they need to match? Do they need to have something in common? I actually think it's better when they don't match. Um, I I tend, it feels like a set. I think when the wood starts to match. Um, but with that said, I do think you have to sort of pay attention and not have, um, like, I think if you had a really sort of glossy mahogany, traditional formal piece paired with a really rustic pine sort of rugged, it would feel a little bit off unless you had the right pieces sort of mixed in between those two. So like I have a client who had a beautiful Biedermeyer chest that there was no question we were going to be using in the living room. Um, but it felt too formal to her. And so what we ended up doing is we sort of mixed in pieces that were not as formal with a little bit of not of a nod to the formality of that Biedermeyer piece. And then at the end, at the other end of the room, completely separated, but still in the same room, we, we put in a pine, um, raw wood table and just looking at those two tables together, I never would have said that they work together, but they do with the other things that we matched in. And I think it helps sort of dress down that that chest the original chest and do you think that physical space between them also helped yes so no question that's, that's so interesting because it's it isn't just that i don't know it's even the distance between things can yeah and i think also thinking about things in a in a way of sight lines so like the way that you view a room is so important because sometimes when you're looking at one sight line you don't even see something else in a separate sight line and yes when you're sitting in a chair and you're looking around the room maybe you're seeing those things all in the same period of time but it's still not in the same sight line and i think that that is is really important when thinking about especially a bigger room um, thinking about what the sight lines are and what you see, and and if you have an open concept space, you know, like for example, in my kitchen, I have window treatments that are a very bold pattern, and I just they have really impacted all the decisions that I've made in my family room because there's such a strong sight line between the two, and mm-hmm. even though they're two very separate rooms, you you see them, and I think that's important to consider. Yeah. Do you have any tricks or tips um, for people who are, you know, who don't know as much about sight lines? Is there anything you could advise? I think sort of thinking about, um, like, if you were going to walk into a room and take pictures of it, what would be sort of like your still shot that you'd grab in different corners of the room and thinking about how each of those corners or views interact with one another? That tends to help me. Um, 
and and just thinking about the space uh, integrated I don't nothing has to match per se but thinking about what it comes off of and um if you're in a dark room I think it's nice to have that be connected to a lighter room and um and just kind of keep some some thoughtfulness in the progression of the house or the room itself I I feel like sometimes um the especially if you're if you are shopping for new pieces the chair legs are easy to get hung up on because it's such a small amount of wood you know if you're picking an exposed chair leg it's such a small amount of wood but I know that when I was doing when I was picking furniture for my living room you know I had they were coming from all different places. There was a wood here and a wood there. And I think it's hard to imagine, well, do I need to get them close? Does it not matter? I mean, how much care, I guess, do we need to give a chair leg? Because it's just a chair leg. But it can feel very agonizing to, you know, make that choice. I think there should be thought given. Um, but I my advice is always for to not err on the side of obsession because you can really make <laughs> yourself insane. Um, my, my personal gut in that situation is if you're, if you're able to order samples and look at them together and see what you think together, that's always the most helpful. Um, but if you're not, I think don't try to match because they're not most likely they're not going to match. And so choose something that you think complements or, um, you know, creates interest. If you have a wood table, maybe you're doing a black, chair leg and that way you know they're not going to match but they're going to look nice together Mm -hmm. um if you want to dress it down a little bit do a white chair leg um you know just that way it's it was never meant to look like they were supposed to match but they go together and they and they actually create i think a lot more interest than than just them matching anyways yeah yeah question yes Uh, i (laughs) can tell you like wallpaper I do. I really do. So at first I thought, oh, she loves wallpaper in a powder room. And I'm like, no, also in a dining room, also in a bedroom, also anywhere. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> there are rules around that. Um, yes, I do think there is. Um, I think scale is really important. And so um, I keep using my house as an example just because it's easy. But, you know, like in my in my dining room, I have a very small scale wallpaper. Um, and then it leads into my family room, which is a textured wallpaper. And then my butler's pantry has um, a much bolder sort of graphic wallpaper on the ceiling of it. And so those three things really play off each other nicely. Um, and then the, the other room on our first floor that has wallpaper is our powder room. And that's a more mural type wallpaper. So I really sort of varied um, the types of patterns and textures and colors that were in the wallpapers. Um, it gets a little bit trickier for me upstairs at my house because um, my bedroom is also a mural style wallpaper, but then I want every other room to be wallpapered. (laughs) Um, And I, they, I like them to flow. I mean, I, my two kids have two very different style wallpapers, very different colors. They don't relate in any way and I'm okay with it. But now as I'm starting to think about the nursery for this new baby, I do feel like I want them, I want it to sort of feel like I wasn't running around with my head cut off. Like there's some sort of relation. Um, and, and so I, I think, 
it, there's something about a first floor where the spaces flow and they sort of get lived in together. And when you have it, you're, you sort of live throughout your house. And I think that flow of what's on your walls is really important. Whereas bedrooms feel like more individual spaces to me. And so I think it's a little bit easier to have them not be so related. Um, but I do think, you know, like I, I, in my bedroom, I have this mural style wallpaper and I really wanted to, um, to wallpaper my closet. And it just, it was too much. I, I just sort of got, I just felt like, no, when it's time and it's time. <laughs> so did you do it all at once? You're downstairs or did you start with one room and progress? You did. Okay. One big plan. Um, yes, we bought this house and completely gutted it. And, um, I was really, we were moving from the city to the suburbs and I was pregnant with my son at the time. And I was really nervous about the move. And I felt like the only way I was going to really get behind it was if I treated myself like a client and decorated the house and had an install and, and moved into a house that I was really excited about. And, um, so with that said, not everything was done the way I would have wanted it to be for a client, but I had a plan and I really stuck to it, which helped me. Um, I definitely find in my own spaces when I don't stick to a plan, I end up regretting my decisions. Um, okay. I have to ask about the wallpapers because if you did have yeah. a plan and I imagine you're going to your husband and you're like, this is my plan for the house. Was <laughs> yeah. there any point, <laughs> some concern or honey, you have 15 right, different yeah, wallpapers right. in this house. <laughs> Can you cool it? <laughs> yes. Um, my poor husband, he, before we bought this house, his only request was um, no florals. And we have a giant chintz sofa in our living room. <laughs> and our bedroom is like, a garden. So, um, <laughs> you know, I do, I show him things and he wanted a white kitchen. He was adamant about white kitchen. So we have a white kitchen. There are certain things that I, I was willing to sort of give on. Um, I think that <laughs> he thinks that he does, he thinks I'm crazy, but I also think that like the first time I ever showed him an ECAT fabric, he compared it to hunting camo. So like, that's what I'm up against. And I think yeah. that at a certain point, like we've been together for 17 years, I think he just sort of, he voices an opinion and hopes I listen, but assumes that I won't. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good marriage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you figure out a way to make it work. And I think I did, um, I did make is, is, although I didn't necessarily respect the no florals request, I tried to do it in a way that would feel palatable to him. Um, and I do, I, I hope that I accomplish that. I know he loves the house. So hopefully he's okay with most of the decisions. So once it's all said and done, he's happy with it. Yes. And honestly, once it's all done, I just don't even think he notices. Like, yeah. I just... You know, he, like he's a big outdoorsman and I put in these um, like beautiful velvet pattern drapes in his office that have like ducks on them. And I was so proud of myself. I thought it was such a thoughtful design decision. I, we've been here three years. I don't think he knows that they're there. <laughs> it's just, it's not his thing, you know? Do you think that's typical of most of your clients? The, the husband has no. opinions but doesn't notice? No, which blows my mind. Um, I would say more than half the time, the husband is our point person in terms of a client relationship. 
Um, we work with, we work with a, a lot of wives. We work with a lot of couples as a whole, but we work with just as many husbands. Um, and, you know, I actually grew up with a dad who was very involved in the design of his home and, um, and a grandfather also who was the same. And so it's not foreign to me at all. And I actually, I love it and welcome it. And, um, I mean, my favorite is a client that I had years ago. Her husband would attend very few meetings and most of the stuff just sort of got run by him in the background. But when we were doing their formal living room, he wanted to be involved. And he is a man of very few words. And he halfway through the meeting spoke up and was like, I think that this fabric would look much better on the settee than this fabric you're suggesting. And I was like, wow, you're so right. That it would be so, it would be so much stronger over there, and it was like <laughs> this cut pink velvet that I don't I I thought he was just angry at me for bringing it into the room, let alone having an opinion about where it was being placed, and um, and he he couldn't have been more right. It was perfect. It was I mean it, it brought the entire room together, um, and I think that was probably one of the last first and last meetings he ever attended. But he brought a lot to the table. Um, so yeah, we, I mean, we work with a lot of men and, um, I think it's great. They, you know, sometimes they think of things in a different way, um, which can be fun and challenging and, you know, just a change of pace. I just can't understand. Um, I just love how men, it seems to be the, the floral thing seems to be like their line in the sand for a lot of men. Yeah. It's so funny because we're surrounded by, you know, our yards and right flowers and they're at markets and I don't, you know, just they're. Well, so what's interesting is my husband is doesn't, his issue is not the femininity at all. His issue is that it feels like his grandma's house to him. Like it mm. feels outdated and mm -hmm. um, it doesn't feel fresh to him. And so I, I and the thing is, I love grandma like I just I I I love it um that whole look and feel but in my own house I sort of put in pieces that like were granny but then I put really contemporary art next to it or I painted the walls a bright white or something that added some freshness to it and I think that is why he's a little bit more open once he sees everything in execution is that it doesn't feel like dingy and what you would envision well, if, if you're doing a chintz sofa, then you want it to feel grandma. I mean, that's the point, is it not? Yeah, is. I mean, you're not picking <laughs> a chintz for any other reason. So It's the point. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it's actually so the chintz that my grandma had in her house when I was growing up. It's like really nostalgic print for me. Um, but, but it feels... Really sweet. Yeah, it's fun, actually. And she, she bought me the sofa because she loved that I loved the print so much. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's funny i feel that way about certain e ecots or whatever mm -hmm. from there's my mother must have had them in our home growing up but i there are certain ones that i'm like nope that just feels like some like my sister's room mm -hmm. like i don't you know what i mean <laughs> it is I totally yeah, it's interesting that. the things that we pull from our past that we have either a negative or positive connotation of oh completely you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Like, no, uh-uh. And other people are like, that's gorgeous. You're like, nope. 
That's true though. <laughs> well, because think about it. If you have like some sort of nostalgic or nice connotation with something, you want to be surrounded by that. And there's something mm-hmm. so comforting in it about it in your home. Like I've, I've hung things or used things in my house that I don't know that I necessarily like, but they remind me of something so meaningful that I don't even, I don't look at them as something do I like or do I not like? I just look at them as, you know, whatever their meaning is. Uh, yeah, interesting. So art, you're saying when you hang, is it art or? Fun? Yeah. So like I have, my grandfather collected um, Harper's Weeklies, which were these old newspapers and he had um, tons of books of them. And when he passed away, he left us the books and we realized that they were actually much more valuable if they were taken out of the books and framed. And so as a gift, my mom gave us a bunch of them. And there are these really old black and white etchings um, of the newspaper covers. And they're, I mean, I'm looking at them right now. They're really not um, like pretty, but they're so meaningful. And I think there's such an interesting story behind them. And, you know, they just, they make me happy. And so um, it's not necessarily if I think it, they're beautiful, but they're meaningful. I did want to talk about art because... In your own home, you seem to have a lot of original art and you also have a wide range. Um, There's a lot of modern pieces. There's a lot of traditional pieces. So I was curious, um, you know, how do you shop for art personally? Um, I imagine it's probably different for your clients, but for yourself, how do you shop for art? Where do you hang it? How do you mix it together? Does it need to match your room? I have a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love art. That's one of my favorite components of my job is shopping for art for my clients when I'm permitted to do so. And I do think the mix is the most important thing. Um, you know, those etchings that I was talking about, if I had those all over my house, they would look like nothing, but they're mixed among really contemporary art and colorful things. And, you know, I think that the, um, the sort of like juxtaposition of having a really contemporary piece against something more traditional is what makes art interesting. What makes you notice it? Um, I, I don't necessarily think it has to match. I don't think you have to buy art for the room, but I don't think you necessarily want to look at a piece of art and feel like it feels out of place. And so that doesn't mean that it matches or that it's a traditional room with a traditional piece of art. I definitely, I don't think it has to be that way at all. It just has to be, um, it has to be consciously chosen for this, for, to hang in that specific space. And so, um, I love when a client moves into their house and we're doing their project and they have an art collection and we get to go through their things and say, okay, this would be really amazing here. And, you know, we could do a collection of these here because sometimes they're not what I would have chosen and they bring like so much more interest to the space. Um, and it harkens back to the idea of having meaning and the things in your house and there are things that people have collected. And, um, I think that, you know, there's a lot to be said by, for looking around a room and feeling like, oh, this is a piece that we bought for our anniversary, or this was a piece that was given for my birthday, or I bought on, you know, a trip or whatever it is. Um, and I think you can mix that with, this is just something I thought was really pretty and, um, and tied the colors of the room together really nicely. And, um, I think it's nice to have a mix of all of that. And because I love art so much, I'm sort of constantly always sourcing um, for myself, for my clients, and just sort of keeping an eye out and familiarizing myself with new galleries and um, and new artists and a lot of up-and-coming people who we can collaborate with, which is really fun. Um, and 
And it's interesting. I mean, a lot of my clients do not have art collections, but really want them. And, um, and so, you know, I've had one client who felt really, really strongly that he wanted to accumulate their art collection over time. It was, he wanted me to help choose a couple pieces to get some things up on the wall. Um, but he really wanted to, to grow the collection on his own. And it's been so much fun going back there over the past three years and seeing the pieces that he's chosen and, um, and where he's chosen to hang them and what they bring to the space. And, um, I love that. I mean, it really, it makes the space come alive. So if someone is wanting to start their collection, where, where's their first stop that they should go? It's tough. I mean, it depends on budget. Um, there's some amazing resources online for original art that is not crazy expensive. Um, places like Tappan Collective that features new up and coming artists um, and represents them. And it's all original art. And it's a really wide range of, of, um, of you know, drawings and photography and painting and all different things at all different price ranges. And so I think that can be a great place to start. Um, or finding something meaningful to you. And so, um, you know, if there's a place that you visited that you loved, maybe there's a photographer who shoots that spot and, you know, has something that you would want to hang in your house. Um, and, and, you know, I think also it's, it's your house and how much wall space you have. And, um, you know, like I have a client who has the most beautiful collection of art, but they live in a high rise in downtown Chicago with not a lot of walls. And so they've really had to edit down and, you know, put some of their smaller pieces in a, on a bookshelf and put some of their bigger pieces in storage. But I think you really almost always find a spot for the things you love. Right. So when you first started talking about art, you said, you know, um, you select a piece and a place that it goes. So we sometimes talk about, you know, kind of pulling it down and moving it all around. Is that something that you do or really we should kind of get no, the right I mean, move it around, move it I around. Think, yeah. I do think you can move it around. And I don't know that some houses are better suited for that than others. Like I think, you know, I've had clients who painted their entire house white and they use a lot of color throughout their furniture just because I like color and I tend to integrate it into spaces I design, but then their art is really flexible and their house sort of functions like a gallery. And, and that's a really easy place to move art around. Um, and then there are houses where it's a little bit harder. And I think that um, I like being able to move it. So that's actually really always my preference is to have more flexibility. Um, but it's not always the case. It just, it depends. And I think, you know, back to wallpaper, wallpaper can be restrictive in terms of what you want to hang on it. And or if you want to hang anything at all on it. And, um, and so, you know, that can, that can limit your flexibility a little bit more also. But yeah, how do you, how do you know that the art piece is going to work on the wallpaper? I mean, obviously you can hold it up there, but are there any things that help guide you? Yeah, I think you have to pay attention to, is this a really small scale wallpaper with a a really busy piece of art? Is it going to get lost in it? And, um, I think the scale is probably the one thing that determines that more than anything. Um, I love a traditional wallpaper with a really contemporary piece of art and vice versa. Um, And so that sort of tension, I think, is always the most interesting and keeps things feeling fresh. And, um, you know, like back to my chin sofa, I've got black and white ink drawings 
um, of geometric shapes hung right next to those sofas. They're actually done by my sister, which obviously is nice that it's also meaningful. Um, but I think it, that like changes everything about the sofa. And, um, you know, my sister's pieces are almost always hung in, in really contemporary spaces. And so I think as an artist, it was fun for her also just to see it in such a different space. Um, so you do have to sort of pay attention to the things that are around it and, um, and also where it's being viewed from. So like if it's a piece of art that you're going to be seeing up close and only up close, I think that's a really different piece of art that then one you're going to see up close, but also from afar and also from another room. And so it sort of goes back to that sight line of, is it something that can be appreciated up close just as much as it can be appreciated from far away versus certain pieces of art that you just don't really ever see up close because there's no reason for you to be standing in that corner of the room or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. Okay. If you have no art collection, maybe wallpaper is actually a great way to sort of make up for that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I have a client who we wallpapered in a very bold wallpaper, their entire master bedroom, and they were so nervous about it. And I said, think about it like art. It's, it, it gives so much interest and so much warmth to a space. And, and sometimes you really don't need to hang anything on it. Um, I, I think I tend to feel like a room needs at least one thing hung on the walls. Um, there are certain, I've had certain instances with a really, really busy, um, wallpaper where clients have been hesitant to hang something. But I think in that case, a mirror can be nice just to break it up a little bit. If you feel hesitant Mm -hmm. about having the pattern on pattern that art can bring, yeah, then a mirror can be the right move. How long have you been in love with wallpaper? (laughs) <laughs> not a recent fad, you know, because it's so no. popular right now, but it sounds like you've loved it for a long time. I have loved it for a long time. I like pattern. I dress mm-hmm. in a lot of pattern. Um, and I'm just not, I'm not a solids person. Uh-huh. And, so, <laughs> and so I think wallpaper is just a really good fit for me, but, but honestly, just in like the way that I dress, it, it has to be balanced. There's gotta be some, <laughs> I have to tone it back. You know, I think it's important that, um, that there be spaces that are broken up and like, I would love to wallpaper the hallway off of my kids' bedrooms, but I've got to, I've got to bring right. it back in. So what's the safest place, if we're a little bit afraid of pattern, what's the safest place in our room for us to put pattern? If we're going to just select one or a couple. So if you're speaking to wallpaper, no. I always will go no. in the powder room. Okay. No. So then if it's just That's any living space, room. You know, I'm afraid of pattern, but I'm going to put some in my living room. What do you think the safest play is for me? Pillows. Pillows. Yeah. Pillows are definitely the safest. Um, I would say my clients who are afraid of color and pattern, that's where I tend to push them the most. It's a smaller investment um, and, and it feels like a little bit less of a commitment than a chair or a sofa um, or something really bold like a wallpaper. Um, but you can incorporate pattern and color and bring a lot of interest through pillows. And so I think if they're done right, that can completely transform a room. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I could do that. Yeah. You can do, do it. Right. Well, I love all the um, texture you've infused in rooms mm-hmm. using wallpaper. Um, again, it's subtle because it's solids, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. impactful. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes just an expanse of plain drywall can feel so 
vanilla. And there's different things you can do. You can hang art, you can add moldings, um, you can do wallpaper. There's a lot of different things you can do, but I do, I feel like something has to be done in those situations. And, um, and sometimes when you use texture in one space and then you have just plain drywall in the next, that can sort of exaggerate the way you feel about the plain drywall. Mm -hmm. But I also think it can be, it can be really nice. It can feel fresh. And Mm -hmm. so a big part of that is just choosing colors, um, and, and making sure that they, they don't feel bland or, um, accidental that they feel purposeful off of each other. And I think texture is probably one of the biggest components of designing a space. If everything is all one sort of flat feel, no matter what you've tried to accomplish, I think it just, it lacks something you need, Mm -hmm. you need all those different things. Okay. I have one more question and then I think we need to do our decorating dilemma, but it's really about scale because we really haven't touched on that. And if you do have a big expanse of drywall, what do you need to consider about scale and choosing the art piece that you're going to hang on it? Yeah, that is such a tough one. So I've had, um, a lot of clients who live specifically downtown in, um, like in the city where you have these buildings that are up against each other. So you'll have a lot of walls that don't have windows breaking them up. And those can be really hard walls, not only to hang on, but also to furnish and know what to do with. And, Mm -hmm. um, there's a variety of different things you can do. Um, I think you can do a gallery wall, but you have to be conscious of it, not feeling like you're just throwing stuff up on the wall to try to fill space. Um, and so it has to be sort of curated in a way that feels purposeful and, um, and also paying attention to the scale. So if it's this giant expanse, you don't want a bunch of little things. You want that gallery wall to be composed of some bigger, um, weightier pieces. Um, the other thing that I've done is chosen one really big piece in the center, which sometimes still doesn't feel like it fills the wall enough. And then trying to pull that outwards by adding lamps and maybe chairs on the outside of those lamps. And so building that interest out from the art, um, Mm -hmm. that can be a really nice way to fill a big expansive wall that is otherwise really tricky to deal with. Okay. So about how much do we need to fill though? Like 50%? 75? I mean, I, mean, I think probably, looking- I would say 50 is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends what else is going on in the space, which I know is sort of a tricky answer. Um, but, you know, like I had a wall that I was dealing with once where there was just nothing else going on over there. And it was an interior wall in the city and just nothing breaking it up. And I really felt like we had to fill, you know, probably 70% of that wall. Whereas a room that is broken up on other sides by other things and has a little bit more going on, then I think you're okay to be at 50. I don't, I don't know that there's a rule. I think it's more um, what else is going on in the space. Sure. Makes sense. Nice try, Caroline. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I wish I had an exact answer. No, I know. Right. Every space is different. And you yeah, really so have exactly. to kind of use a little judgment and try to figure out what, what's going to work. Yeah. And what feels good to you. Right. I really asked that question because I think most people are going under 50. Yeah, I thought it was because she had a, a wall. No. I, I did too. I no. was like, what wall does she have? Yeah. Like, that's for. No, hey. I just think that typically people get sticker shock, especially when shopping for art. And so they err on the side of too small and 
saying to someone, you need to try to like aim for 50 or whatever that number is, or just give them an idea to sort of encourage them to go bigger than maybe what they even think they need. Because it seems to me like most people are not going to go too big. Yes. They're going to go Although too small. I think you're 100% right on that. And and big art is hard because it can be really expensive, even if you're sourcing from, you know, a, a place with good budgets in mind. Um, it just, it gets expensive. Framing gets really expensive on large scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, what we've done is we've done like a triptych where we'll buy, you know, three things that can go in a row and that really stretches the wall. Um, but I agree with you. I do think bigger is almost always better in terms of art and a big empty wall. Um, and, and the other thing, and this has nothing to do with scale of the walls, but I find that people always hang their art too high and eye level Mm -hmm. is where you want to be. You do not want to be looking up at a piece of art. Um, and so I think that's really important to keep in mind as well. Should we get to our question? Yeah, let's do our dilemma. All right. It says, hi, Karen, Taryn, and Caroline. I love your podcast and I've been listening to every single episode, but I'm just now getting around to sending my own decorating dilemma in. So we bought our first home and I'm struggling on how to set up our awkward den and TV room. For reference, the pictures listed below are from before we bought the house. So none of the furniture is ours. Since the pictures, the walls, and the ceiling have been painted white and the beams have been painted a dark grayish black. I know Karen is going to describe the room since that is her thing. <laughs> My issue. I can't figure out how to set the furniture in the room. I have the couch we just purchased attached below, but besides that, we don't have any ideas of furniture for the room. So I'm up for any ideas on rugs, colors, and chairs. Uh, this is the couch and the other two items below are just ideas of what I like. Thanks in advance. Kate. All right, I'm going to describe the room really quick, Alexandra, because apparently that's my thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is. Is she wrong? No, I love (laughs) it. I can't not do it. So, the room, Kate, is big and it has a lot of doors and windows. So, uh, first of all, congratulations on your new house. It's very exciting. This is going to be such a fun project for you. Okay, so it's a long, uh, it's a rectangle. On one of the short walls, it looks like it has two doors and a cutout opening into the kitchen eating area. So there is, I would say, about six feet of wall in the center. On either side of that is doors and an opening of some elk pass through, a pass through. That's what you call it. Then on the long walls, on both long walls, there are windows, big windows, long windows. And then it looks like, y'all, is that a, a double doorway on the long wall as well? Maybe? I don't know. There's a double doorway somewhere on one of these walls. And then I think the other small wall has a window as well. Am I crazy? No, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. The small wall, the opposite small wall has double doors going outside. So the two long walls have windows. And then the two short walls of the rectangle have doorways. So it's a pass-through room. So you're going to have to walk through this room. And she wants to figure out how to lay her furniture out in here so she can watch TV and have a nice family room. Go, Alexandra. Make your money. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
It's a tricky one because it, you have to have, you know, good traffic flow through it, it looks like. Um, I don't know how often they're using those back double doors, but it, it does. there's a doormat. It looks like that's a commonly traveled area. Um, the one thing that throws me off is that for such a big room, you're limited having the sofa between the two openings from the dining room and kitchen. Um, it looks like they almost just have like a little love seat there right now. And so... Well, um, no, that's their furniture. Right. No, no, no. I know. Okay, okay. I know. And so I think by by moving the sofa to a different area of the room, you could just open things up a lot. And so what I sort of envision is, um, I'm guessing the opening from the dining area is maybe less traveled than the one from the kitchen. And so maybe you put your sofa underneath the window on the what it looks like the right side of the room. If I'm looking at that picture on the left, um, put your sofa over there. So it's actually up against the window and have your, your coffee table up there in front of it. And then put a pair of chairs on the other side. And then maybe, maybe across from the chairs, you have a bench or some, or something low so that it gives extra seating, but it doesn't necessarily cut off any views. Um, and it doesn't leave you looking at the back of a piece of furniture when you walk in from those double doors, but you're also, you're just seeing chairs when you're looking in from the kitchen. And you also from the kitchen can see the people sitting on the couch. I don't know if they have kids, but that can be nice. And it also leaves the center of the room open, um, a little bit more. The one tricky thing is where your TV goes, um, and I think you have a couple options. Obviously, you could put it on a table, um, sort of blocking the window. I know that that's not really ideal. And so what I, I can't really see, but it looks like, um, yeah, it looks like actually there's a big wall where there's two pieces of art stacked behind that brown leather chair. And you could put a big sideboard or a media piece there and have the TV hung above it. And it's off center, but it would be really like sort of nicely across from the couch. And I think that would that would create sort of a nice flow in that room. Do you think it's a no-no to put a TV in a window? I have one in my house and I don't hate it. But do you think no. it's sort of a bad rule of thumb? No, I don't. I, f- I feel like it depends on the space. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I, I don't think there's any – I like I like a bed in front of a window in certain spots. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just – it's got to be – it's, it's got to work for what that room is. Right. And so I think um, – And also the light because if the light is going to so be glaring in your face while you're watching was, the TV, that won't work. Exactly. That was going to be my next point. Yeah. And so I do think that if they could put – it looks like a pretty big wall to the left of that other window. If they could put a sideboard there and have the TV there and they're okay with it not being centered on the room, um, that could be a nice way of treating that room and sort of make it – make it a family room that also happens to have a TV rather than a a TV centric room. Right. Uh, And that works for some people and for other people, it doesn't, you know, I think if you're um, big movie watchers or game watchers, I don't, (laughs) I watch baby bomb with my kids. So <laughs> that's the extent of my TV watching. <laughs> okay. Do y'all, do you recommend, is this something I, I don't have one of these, so I don't really know, but could she also, if she puts it where you're suggesting, because I do think that is where it makes the most sense. Um, could she use one of those big swivel move it right yeah an articulating arm for the tv there you go for sure i definitely think you can um 
and and that way you could sort of like angle it more towards the couch so it doesn't feel like it's stuffed in a corner. But then when you're not using it, you could push it back up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that would make a big difference. That's a great point. It looks like um, either side of that window has the same amount of wall. So really depending on where you where, where you want it to be, and you could check out the light in the room too, what's going to be best for you to pull it out and where your sofa situates, it could go exactly. on either side of that. And I think if you're using those double doors leading outside a lot, you're not going to want your TV out on an articulating arm in that walkway. And so maybe it makes more sense for it to go on the opposite side if you're using those doors more often. Um, and you potentially also could swap it if I'm incorrect in thinking where your traffic flow is. So if you're coming out through the dining area more often, then maybe the couch goes on the other side of the room. Um, it just depends. I think that's one of the nice things about living in a space before you fully decorate it is you can really see how you use it um, and what and what those traffic patterns are because maybe you wouldn't necessarily know. So situate the sofa on the wall that you don't walk. So whatever she walks out of, to the back door, put your sofa on the other side of the room. I think so. Yeah. Because that way, that way, like if you're not, well, first of all, the sofa that they have has a chaise on it and you don't want to be walking into that chaise and having to sort of like reroute yourself around it constantly. Um, And I I just think that keeps things more open. Agreed. So do we want to give her any direction in terms of the other items? Because she says she has no idea what to do. She needs a big rug. Yes, I definitely think a big rug. And maybe that means you're getting a giant sisal and layering a woven wool rug on top of it. Um, But I do think that for such a big room, you want a really big rug to warm it up and make it feel cozy in there. Um, Especially since there's pile. mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll just make it feel really warm. Um, And then I also like the idea of, it looks like the coffee table that she's thinking about has a wood top with a... um, iron base, which in a sort of like geometric look, which I think is fun. And, um, and then maybe you add in chairs that have a stripe or a, like a sort of subtle pattern that doesn't feel too bold, but it just breaks up the solidness of the sofa. I think that would be really nice also. And um, maybe some pattern pillows. Maybe, maybe some pattern pillows. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, drapery panels in there. So that was going to be my next comment. I think drapes would really soften the room. I don't know that it necessarily needs it, but I think it would make it feel really warm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think drapery is always an opportunity to add warmth and sort of coziness to a space just by, by means of adding fabric. Um, but it's also an investment that some people don't feel comfortable making initially. And so you can always move into a space and see like, you know, would these be panels that I would use? If not, then you could pay less and have stationary panels put in. Um, if you, if you are going to use them, then that's great. And they're functional and it makes even more sense to add them in. Um, but I think in such a big room, it's nice to have the warmth of a fabric like that sort of hanging down. Um, Okay, so if she does put a sideboard on that wall that you're talking about with her TV on it and she hangs panels, does she need any type of furniture on this wall? I don't think it's going to feel empty. Um, I mean, I definitely would add art in places where you have art to add just so that the only thing on the walls isn't just the TV. Um, I think that you know, the nice thing is there's these Samsung art TVs that you can hang. And then when they're not in use, it looks like a piece of art. And that can actually be a really nice thing for people who don't necessarily have an art collection that they're looking to showcase right away. Um, I think that, um, 
it, a lot of it will depend on furniture placement. I mean, that wall between the kitchen and the dining area, the, between the two cutouts, that's a really nice place to showcase a piece. Um, but on the flip side, I think that there's walls where there doesn't necessarily need to be something. So for example, like the cutout leading into the kitchen right now, there's a little piece hung below that. I don't think something needs to be hung there. Um, I think it's, I think it's nice to sort of have some open wall space, some filled, um, you know, a TV on one and, and, and that way you don't feel like there's so many different places to look. Simplicity. It looks like her vibe from what she's picked out for her sofa and coffee table and rug is sort of modern, simple, um, you know, pared back a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And especially with the thought of having white walls and the dark gray beams, um, I wouldn't necessarily pack the walls full of things. It could be a nice opportunity to add some color um, if she wants that or if she wants to keep it more neutral or, and monochromatic. Some black and white photography could be really pretty in there. Yeah. Um, it's such a pretty room. It looks like it's got great light and the beams are really pretty. It does look like it's amazing light. Mm -hmm. If you don't need those blinds, get rid of them. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I think all the windows and unless someone is literally looking in there at you, like, why do you need those? Yeah. And honestly, if someone is looking in there with you, there's a slightly prettier way to treat the windows. Right. Um, so, yeah. What about the ceiling fan? I'm shocked you didn't mention the ceiling fan. <sighs> Guys, I've been converted on ceiling fans. What? I used to take them out of every single space I encountered them in. And there's a place, of course. Um, but I, I can't sleep without one. So my Ooh. bedroom where I was so carefully curating every last thing, I have a ceiling fan on the ceiling. <laughs> have you found a source for really pretty ones? You found a source, you said? No, I'm asking you. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I, was, I was really excited. Um, I found a source for ones that go away. So mm -hmm. they, and that's, I, that's my goal. I think even yeah. a really pretty one, I mean, I guess it would depend what it looked like, but I, I just want it to go away. I want it to blend into the ceiling. Um, it's purely utilitarian for me. I just can't sleep without it now. Um, and we have one on our porch because, you know, Chicago just gets really muggy and gross in the summer, but we want to still be able to be outside and have the air moving. And so we keep it on our porch. Um, I don't think I'd be excited about having one in my family room unless we lived in it like an indoor outdoor room and we needed the air movement and um, right. or it was a room that got really hot and right. needed it for that. But, you know, in a situation where you can remove it comfortably... I, I like to remove it. <laughs> well, it doesn't look like the ceiling in this room is incredibly high. Sometimes in super high ceilinged rooms, all the, you know, all the heat. Yeah, you need it pushed down. Yeah, you've got to push it down. But this room doesn't look like it has that issue. So if it doesn't no, need it doesn't. It for her to keep cool, get rid of that thing. Yes, I would agree. <laughs> I, would agree. <laughs> I can't wait to see some afters, Kate. You'll have to send them. Yes. Yes, please. And be, Kate, also, yeah. don't forget there's that room layout tool that we have on the How to Decorate. Um, site where you can put your room in there. You can put your sofa in there with all the dimensions, do your rug, mm -hmm. figure it all out before you buy things so you don't make expensive mistakes. Yeah. Yes. And buy big rugs. I feel like that's the mistake that people make most really often big. is buy small rugs. There's no such thing as too big of a rug. That's right. As big as you can yes. get in that room. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the, yeah, there's no reason you really need to see this tile. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think the only place where you potentially might not want rug is right at the opening of those double doors from the outside. Right. But 
even there, you could lay a mat on top of a rug if you were worried about the durability component of it. Sure. Perfect. Yay. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Alex, we tell everyone how they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff. Great. Um, Instagram is my most commonly used tool. Um, And do you guys want me to give the handle for it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so my Instagram handle is Alex Kaler um, Design. So I post lots of projects, um, completed projects, and progress projects. Um, pictures of my kids because I can't help myself. Um, <laughs> and then I use Pinterest as just a great tool to collect inspiration. And we're um, Alex Kaler on there also. Um, and I try to keep up with Facebook, but I can't say that I do. Yeah. Um, do you have a website? Our, we do have a website. It's alexandrakaylor.com. Um, and um, I try to keep it pretty up to date and have our projects up there so that it, it shows um, things that we've completed. And um, we, we do a, a wide range of styles. And so it's nice to have everything in one place for potential mm-hmm. clients to see. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you so much. We enjoyed Thank it. You. It was so fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. All right. That's our show. I'm glad that coronavirus brought us all together tonight. Right. (laughs) Upside. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. Don't forget to check out the show notes at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and send your questions to podcast at ballardscience.net. We'll answer it on a future episode. Don't forget to enable the how to decorate skill in your Amazon account so you can listen to us from your Alexa and follow us on social media. Until next time. Happy decorating. decorating.